Um, to you all. Welcome to the new series of uh, Street Satan Sangha lectures called uh, Chanting as the Prayer of the Heart. My name is Hari Priyadasi, and I will be your host for classes on Mondays on March. So I will start today uh, uh, by reciting a few prayers as a blessing for our meeting. I'm asking for the blessing of my teachers and uh, the blessing of my spiritual family and all of you who are here sharing this moment with me. And um, after that, I'm also addressing uh, my gratitude to God and to the most compassionate form of God, the, um, the name, the name of divine. So you are welcome to join these prayers. Om Kyana Timirandhasya, Kyananjana Salakaya, Saksurun Militam Kyenatas Maisri Kuravena Maha, Vantsakalpatarupyasca, Kripa Sindhupya Evatsa, Patitanam Pana Vepio, Vaisna Vepio Namo Namaha. Vande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Kododaye Puspavanto Sitro Sandotamonudom Vande Ham Sri Ramakrishna Apayat Saranastako Sukado Paramanando Sundaro Supalapriyom Harerna maharerna maharerna meiva kevalam, kalau nasti eva nasti eva nasti eva katiranyatam. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. In many ways, the names of God are the heartbeat of uh, Gaudiya tradition. We are calling out the names of God aloud, aloud whispering and uh, in our minds. We are, call, we are calling the names of God uh, alone and together with others. We are meditating them with prayer beats. We are singing them and we are dancing into the rhythm. Or perhaps um, more precisely, um, calling the names of God with affection is the heartbeat of our tradition, like we are calling a child or a friend or a lover. Even in our everyday life, uh, when we are calling someone by their name, it catches their attention. And at the same time, uh, the way how we are saying the name contains so much information information about the person we are calling, but also about our personal relationship with them and uh, the specific mood of the situation. For example, um, a parent uh, might, might say the name of their child with kind of an angry tone, but uh, you can also hear a deep concern and love underneath. Or someone might speak very nice words to someone, but you can hear the underlying uh, strategy to get something for themselves from someone who is superior to them 
or, or I guess between the equals as well. So all these different moods and uh, different relationships are also present when we call the names of God. And uh, when we learn to know God better, our affection grows, and also our understanding of all the nuances and details uh, grow little by little. Um, there are so many books uh, and lectures about the names of God and chanting due to the importance of this theme. So I felt kind of small when uh, Bhakti Pranaya Padmanabha Maharaj asked me to um, say some words about chanting during this month. Um, I was thinking like, oh, devotees are organizing chanting workshops all over the world. There's so much material available already. But then at the same time, the names of God, they are something that uh, we who are reaching for the high ideals can't stop talking about. It's, it's like the love of God, no matter how much we say, we can't say enough. We can't help but try to express our gratitude towards the name in which our God is fully present in their most compassionate form. So the title of my four talks is Chanting as the, as the Prayer of the Heart. And um, today I will talk about the theme on the more general level. I will explore how the names of God are meditated in different spiritual traditions. I'm mostly drawing examples from Eastern Christianity, but um, I'm also slightly touching, uh, touching on Islamic tradition. And then next week on our second meeting, I will concentrate more specifically on Gaudiya tradition. So next week I will talk about Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna Mantra, and the meaning of the mantra. And then in the third class, uh, I will talk about receiving the mantra from a spiritual guide. I will talk about the meaning of the initiation into a spiritual tradition. And, uh, and most, mostly I will talk about how uh, on the path of love, we are not alone. Our teachers are helping us to soften our heart so that the mantra can descend from our mind to our heart and become a prayer so that we ourselves can become a living prayer. And then um, in the final and the fourth class uh, of the series, I will go through some recommendations and encouragements uh, that can guide and uh, help our chanting. So this will be our schedule for the next month on Mondays. And um, I hope and I will do my best that uh, these lectures will be understandable for all listeners who are interested in these themes. And um, if I'm failing with, with this intention, please give me feedback so then I can adjust my talk accordingly. So um, from personal perspective, uh, uh, mantra meditation or chanting is part of my daily life. However, it has never been an easy practice for me. 
I have a curious mind and uh, a vivid imagination. So quite often it might seem uh, uh, that externally I'm uh, sitting down quietly, peacefully, quite emerged in something. But actually in my mind, I, I'm traveling in the past and in the future, in another universe. So really concentrating, really living in the present. It's not my strength. And um, perhaps a little paradoxically, <laughs> this, this, is the, this was the main reason why, why I agreed to talk about chanting and mantra meditation. The point is not that I'm expert in chanting. Quite on contrary, I realize in a very painful way that I need help. I need more understanding and I need more commitment. So, so I saw this um, um, request um, from, from Maharaj uh, as a blessing uh, to be more, more committed and uh, kind of more um, uh, concentrated on, on chanting. I, I saw it as a chance to look for some inspiration for myself and then also share some thoughts that I will find uh, um, helpful and encouraging uh, for, for my chanting. So basically I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm praying that, uh, that uh, I could use my weakness and shortcomings in relation to chanting in the service of others and also to help myself to grow at the same time. And that's actually one of the beautiful things in Gaudiya tradition and the reason why I wanted to say this aloud. Because um, um, in our world, in, our, in, in these days that we are living, uh, we usually in general um, are sharing our strengths with each other. Like for example, if someone is asked to give a TED talk on, on something or give a conference speech, we are automatically assuming that they are top scholars or real experts on the team that, uh, that they are talking about. And usually like everywhere, we are advised to hide our weaknesses. But, um, but in Gaudiya tradition, it's, it's quite different. The mood of our tradition, it's very different from this like uh, um, spirit of, uh, of today's world. Because um, um, in our tradition, we can also bring our weakness and shortcomings before our God and before our teachers with the mood that I'm completely yours with my brightest moments and with my darkest, darkest shadows. Uh, that's all part of me. And, and I'm willing to bring all of them before, before you and uh, surrender it right there. And if there's something that can be used in service, uh, hey, please do that. No matter it's, if it's my strength or if it's my weakness, you know what is best for me and you know what is best for you. So that's kind of like the starting, starting point, point for us. So anyway, I will share some thoughts about chanting over the next month. And I'm also hoping that you who are listening to this uh, 
classes could also share some of your experiences and insights uh, regarding mantra meditation and chanting during, during this same time. Like, for example, what kind of uh, things have you found helpful in relation to chanting? What has increased your commitment to your ideal and to your spiritual practice? We will have some time uh, at the end of each talk to share these kind of things. And uh, we can also continue the discussion later on um, Sri Chaitanya Sangha uh, Facebook page or YouTube page. So it, in this way, we can support each other, especially in the middle of these dark times that are surrounding us at the moment. So with this little introduction, we are now approaching the theme of today. So today we will explore how the names of God are meditated in different spiritual traditions. Krishna Kaviraj Goswami describes in his Chaitanya Charitamrita in Madhya Lila, how Bhattacharya asked Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which item is most important in the execution of devotional service? And Krishna Chaitanya replied that the most important item is the chanting of the holy name of the Lord. This verse has already been quoted, uh, I think, almost every day since beginning of the march, because all the classes are dealing with the holy name or chanting or Mahaprabhu Krishna Chaitanya himself. Um, but, but I still want to read it once more. So the verse goes like this. In this age of quarrel and hypocrisy, the only means of deliverance is the chanting of the holy names of the Lord. There is no other way. There is no other way. There is no other way. Each spiritual tradition has a specific understanding of what is the most beautiful and uh, most inviting face of God. And then inside of each tradition, each one of us uh, has a personal relationship with the divine, a relationship that is slightly different than any other relationship that there ever was. And um, I think there's no point really in comparing between different traditions or between different relationships within the same tradition because um, uh, all, all, all those relationships, they are best for us individually. It's kind of the same like um, if your friend uh, falls in love and you can see that uh, the relationship is good for them. You can see how the relationship is making them shine. And so, so in that kind of case, you don't really question their choice. Perhaps in your mind, uh, you are a bit critical or you don't quite understand what your friend is seeing on that specific person. But you don't start arguing, you're just happy for them. So in the same way, we might fall in love with a bit different image or understanding of God. But there's also a lot in common. And today we will explore some of the things that we share with other spiritual traditions.
the divine has millions of faces and millions of names. And out of these hundreds and millions of names of God, uh, Muslims have identified 99 the most beautiful names of God. In the contemplative side of Islamic tradition, uh, Sufis are repeating these names with the help of uh, prayer beads. And if we look at the names of God that are meditated in Islamic tradition, we will, we will find names like uh, the All-Compassionate, the All-Merciful, the Source of Peace, the Inspirer of Faith, the guardian, the shaper of beauty, the sustainer, the protecting friend. I especially like the last one, the protecting friend. Um, it is said that all mysticism within spiritual traditions uh, is based on two kinds of longing. There is the longing of a soul for God, and there's the longing of God for each one of us. In Brihad Bhagavatamrita, written by Sanatana Gosvami, there's a nice description of one evening uh, when Krishna and uh, the cows uh, were returning, are returning home from uh, the forests. And there was a new boy who had just entered Vrindavan. And what did Krishna do? He embraced the boy, and both of them fainted in ecstasy. Srila Bhakti Raksaksridhar Maharaj writes about this specific situation in a very beautiful way in his book, Loving Search for the Lost Servant, his writing. Then Krishna addressed his friend with great affection. Why did you stay away? Why have you been living away from home for so long? How was it possible for you? How could you bear my separation? And that night when Krishna returned home, he took the newcomer by his side to take prasadam. So this is the way how Krishna welcomes each and every one of us in one day, sometimes in the future, to his abode. Sridhar Maharaj uh, continues, although he, Krishna, is full in all respects, he still he feels pangs of separation for every one of us, however small we may be. In spite of his supreme position, he has room for us in the corner of his loving heart. I love this quote. I have it hanging, or hanging on my wall with the drawing uh, of a spiritual artist, uh, Srimati Sarakrai Devi. And it's, uh, it's reminding me every day of, of this, uh, this promise that is given, given to us. So we are longing for Krishna, but he's also longing for us. And when we are chanting, uh, we can express this longing and trust that goes both ways. So this kind of longing is one aspect that internally inspired spiritual traditions share. The other idea that generally all contemplative uh, traditions teach is that the simplicity, peace, and harmony 
that is included uh, in prayer and meditation can be reached regardless of time, place, and your circumstances in life. Like also in our Gaudiya tradition, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is crying in the second verse of um, Shikshastakam. So many names you have manifested and in them invested all your power. There is no hour, no rule to recall them. Oh, Bhagavan, your mercy is so great, but just see my fate, my misfortune. For your name, I have no attraction. Or like Krishna, Krishna Kaviraj Goswami writes in Until He Loves Richard and Saritamrita, regardless of time or place, one who chants the holy name, even while eating or sleeping, attains all perfection. So there is no limit to the compassionate nature of the name, no hard and fast rules for chanting them. We can pray and call the names of God regardless of who we are and where we are in our life and in our daily duties. And God, and God is not very far from us. There might be some dust covering our vision so that we are not able to see that how divine is right there waiting patiently for us. Then the third aspect that uh, many spiritual traditions share is that um, we ourselves uh, don't really know how to pray. We can try, we can do our best, but at the end, all that we really can do is to surrender and uh, to give our love and humility and then, little by little, God will start praying in us. Um, in Gaudiya tradition, this uh, uh, universal idea is presented in a very concrete way. For us, the name of Krishna is non-different from him. And when we are calling him with sincerity and inviting him to enter our heart, he will come and dance at our tongue in our mind and at the stages of our heart. In Madhya Lila of Sri Chaitanya Tsaritamrita, it is written, the Lord's holy name, his form and his personality are, are all one and the same. There is no difference between them. Since all of them are absolute, they all are tra transcendentally blissful. So the name of Krishna is with us from the very beginning uh, of our journey. And, um, and the name walks with us the whole, whole way that we have in front of us. Little by little, repeating the names of God is removing anarthas, different obstacles and false values that are slowing down the growth of faith and love. Those kind of things that are keeping us away from God. And for me personally, that is an important lesson. Like, um, like we don't have to be steady in our practice in order to be cleansed from the obstacles. It's, it's actually the other way around, like we are cleansed and we become steady with the help of the name, with the help from God and from our teachers.
And when we reach our destiny, our goal in one day, we will still be calling the names of God because we are actually spending time with them. We don't need any more prayer beads that help us to concentrate and keep our mind in Krishna. We might still use them, <laughs> use them, but for other reasons. Uh, because uh, we can't stop thinking and loving uh, him and calling him with great affection. Uh, still another, I think that's already the fourth one. Yep. The fourth characteristic that weaves together the different contemplative schools of thought is the emphasis on prayer or meditation as a continuous uh, state of mind. State of mind. Uh, Bishop Theophan the Recluse, I probably pronounced his name terribly wrong, sorry about that. Um, he lived in the 19th century and uh, wrote, prayer is not so much a momentary activity as a continuous state. To pray is to stand before God, to enter into an immediate and personal relationship with him. It is to know at every level of our being, from the instinctive to the intellectual, from the sub to the supraconscious, that we are in God and he is in us. So chanting is not a practice in a sense that we take half an hour, one hour, two hours daily and dedicate that time for chanting, and that's it. Like chanting would be just a hobby among all other hobbies. Kind of like um, I, I have to go to the gym, even though I don't like exercising all that much, uh, so that my back will stay in, in somehow good shape and won't start hurting too much. And uh, after I go to the gym, then I can do things that I actually like doing. So, so chanting uh, is not supposed to be that kind of uh, hobby, <laughs> hobby for us. Um, but don't get me wrong, it's, um, I think um, there's also beauty in that kind of commitment, like doing things that um, we know are good for us, uh, even though we might not always be so inspired by them. And, uh, and it's also part of the process of learning to love that we are sometimes not so steady in our practice. And in those moments, our only shelter are the names of God who are always there for us, no matter how much we have neglected them before. If we think about a person whom we are first calling and then totally ignoring, they might be a bit angry or disappointed with us. But the name of God, with all compassion, will always be there. They are always willing to give us a fresh start. And they are always happy to see us grow in faith and love. There's a story of an old monk in Christian tradition. He was living in a small hut and uh, braiding some ropes. Every now and then he would take the ropes and sell them at the nearby market. And in one day he got some visitors and there were two, two monks from another order or another monastery 
who came to visit the old monk. And they were perplexed and astonished and uh, perhaps even a bit horrified to see what kind of duties the old monk was doing, trading the ropes, looking for material for ropes, all kind of little everyday kind of chores connected with rope making. So one of the visitors said to the old monk, hey, it is said in the Bible that a true believer should pray constantly. But here you are engaged in all these mundane activities that take so much of your time. We don't do any work. We are only using our time in praying. And the old monk, he thought about the question for a while, and then he replied with another question. He asked, you are saying that you are praying all the time. Aren't you eating? Aren't you sleeping at all? Well, the visiting monks, they, they had to give in that, yes, we, we are actually eating and sleeping. But all the rest of the time, they would just, just pray and not to do any physical work. The old monk replied to them, well, when I'm doing my daily chores, I repeat in my mind that Jesus prayer, Jesus Christ, the son of God, have mercy with me. I sell some of the ropes at the nearby market, and also some of the money that I earn, I give to those who need it more than I do. And when I am sleeping, those people are praying for me. So in this way, I'm trying my best to pray all the time. Bhakti Pranaya Padmanabha Maharaj often quotes Thomas Merton, a Christian monk, who has said that we all are dependent on the prayers of our sisters and brothers. So that's a nice exercise as well. Pray for others, for those that we care about, and for those that we might have a bit of a hard time with every now and then. We can pray for their protection from all kinds of harm, but we can also pray that uh, God will show them how much he cares, even though we ourselves might fall sometimes a bit short on, on that regard. And we can also express in prayer our hope to find more commitment to the holy name and chanting and to the other ideals of Gaudiya tradition, like, for example, tolerance, humility, not accepting glory for ourselves, but developing eagerness to support others and the growth of love in each one of us. Because in that way, we also will one day be able to chant the names of Krishna continuously, like it is promised to us in Anteli Love Sri, um, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. So like we can see in these examples, um, calling out God's names with humility and sincere wish to find a real connection with divine and with our ideal is something quite universal, something quite anti-sectarian. It takes slightly different forms within different traditions, but when we take a closer look, 
there's a lot in common within the mystical side of different spiritual movements. I already referred briefly to Jesus' prayer, which is used as a spiritual practice, especially in the Eastern Christianity. So let's explore some of the similarities and differences of uh, Jesus' prayer in relation to our chanting of Hare Krishna mantra before finishing up for today. There are a few different uh, versions of the Jesus' prayer. But the basic idea is to repeat the names of name of Jesus and ask for his mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. This method is used as a spiritual practice uh, in monasteries, but also lay people, devotees, are practicing it. They often use a rosary, like prayer beads. And uh, different people have different uh, recommendations or vows. Um, how many prayers they are saying daily. It could be, for example, 3,000 prayers, which would be like uh, 28 rounds, um, if you are counting them with the Chapa beads, the prayer beads of our Gaudiya tradition. Um, according to Bishop Callistos Vared of Diocleia, the Jesus prayer includes uh, a constant and uninterrupted calling uh, upon the divine name of Jesus with the lips, in the spirit, and in the heart. Uh, it includes uh, forming a mental picture of his constant presence and imploring his grace during every occupation, at all times, in all places, even during sleep. Um, he writes that uh, calling out God's names and praying to them has two different purposes. The first is worship, uh, like, um, like that's, that's basically the purpose of all prayer. And then the second purpose is discipline. So prayer is meant to help our soul gain control over our overactive brain and create a space uh, where we can rest in the presence of God or perhaps sing and dance and play together with God if we <laughs> compare that with our Gaudiya tradition. Uh, uh, Bishop Callistus uh, reminds uh, also that the aim of the Jesus prayer is not to obtain calmness or any kind of spiritual experience, but to become in communion with God and participate in his grace. Again, that is also something that uh, Gaudiya teachers emphasize, perhaps a bit different vocabulary uh, we are using, but the essence of the spirit and teaching is pretty much the same. Uh, the background story of Jesus' prayer can be found in Bible, in the Gospel of uh, St. Luke, and the story goes like this. There were two men who went to pray at the temple. One of them was very learned and very religious, and the other was a tax collector. 
Uh, that was considered to be one of the lowest occupations at that time, kind of like betraying your own people and uh, working for the occupying powers. So these two men uh, went to the temple and the learned and religious man went to stand in front of the in front part of the temple. He lifted his hands up and prayed with a loud voice, Lord. I thank you that I'm not like other people, crooks, charlatans, bullies, betrayers, or even like this tax collector who for some reason has entered your holy temple. I fast twice a week, I give a lot of donations, and I study the scriptures all the time and even talk about them for others and share my wisdom with them. At the same time, the tax collector who was standing some distance away, was beating his breast and uh, crying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And Jesus concluded his story by saying that the tax collector was the one who was blessed by, by his prayer, and, we, and he went later home with a purer heart. Because I quote, um, for everyone who lifts themselves up will be humbled, but she who learns to be humble will receive the everlasting life with God. So, so that's kind of like the mood that um, the Eastern Christianity, the followers of Eastern Christianity are uh, uh, following when they are calling the, the Jesus prayer. And we can see here a connection to the teaching of our beloved Krishna Chaitanya in the third verse of uh, Sikshastakam prayer, being humble like a blade of grass, being more to tolerant than a tree, expecting no admiration, yet showing others veneration, one should glorify Hari constantly. So there's the ideal of deep humility that qualifies us to chant and pray constantly. My god brother and a good friend, Koira uh, Sundara Prabhu, uh, gives really inspiring uh, talks about this verse, the third verse of Sikshastakam on Wednesdays in March. So I, I warmly recommend, I warmly recommend those talks. A few more words about Jesus' prayer. Uh, the prayer is said to have three stages, a verbal prayer, a mental prayer, and the prayer of the heart. And we actually have a quite similar approach in Gaudiya tradition, as we also repeat the names of God aloud, whispering and silently within our mind. And uh, then one day Krishna himself is dancing at the courtyard of our heart, when we are calling him filled with overflowing love for him and his friends. Um, one, one prominent theme that they are talking a lot in Eastern Christianity is, um, is silence and becoming silent. It's, it's a little bit like um, how Ludwig, Ludwig Wittgenstein, an Austrian philosopher said, uh, that uh, whereof one cannot speak, thereof one must be silent. And there's the Orthodox friar in Finland who has said, you must be silent and let the prayer 
speak. That kind of emphasis on silence uh, might feel on the first uh, um, step a bit foreign from the from the point of us uh, from the point of view of uh, Gaudiya tradition. Uh, think about Kirtana, for example. Think about those moments that we are singing together, glories of God and his devotees. They are not silent at all. For us Gaudias, it is often said that no matter how much we talk, we, can, we just can't say enough about the depths of compassion of our affectionate guardians, our teachers, and our God, who comes to this world time after time to look for his friends and lovers. For us who have chosen to take a longer road, a kind of a detour before coming to him, He's waiting impatiently for us to finally arrive at our true home. There is so much to say that millions and millions of words are just not enough. But then on the other hand, uh, we also have some experiences of silence in our Gaudiya tradition. I had a wonderful opportunity uh, to visit Madhuvan, the mountaintop ashram of my Guru Maharaj in Costa Rica over the Christmas. And uh, at that time, uh, Pakti Pranaya Badmanabha Maharaj was, um, was giving lectures, uh, was giving a series of lectures about Venukita, the song of the flute from the 10th canto of uh, Srimad Bhagavatam. And uh, he was describing in a very vivid and poetic way how Gobis, the cowherd girls, tried to speak about Krishna, but they couldn't. Their, their emotions were so intense that the words just uh, choke up at their throats. And the same happened to Sukadev Goswami when he was trying to tell about the copies to the King Pariksit at the banks of Ganges. And also Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was trying to call the names, names of name of Jagannath, the names of God at Ratayatra, a famous spiritual festival where you invite the Lord and his concert to step on a chart and you take them out to the streets. So, so Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was trying to praise Jagannath, the Lord of the universe, but he couldn't. The words got stuck in his throat and he was only able to get out a little bit of something. So the silence, it's not totally unknown to our tradition either. Also, one more general point uh, is that uh, we must be silent in order to listen. And uh, Bishop Callistus uh, writes in his book, The Power of the Name, that uh, persons who have attained an inner stillness can really listen. They listen to the voice of the prayer in their own heart, and they understand that this voice is not their own, but that of another speaking within them, the voice of God. Narottama Das Thakur writes in one of his songs, making the words of the Guru, Sadhus and Shastras one with my heart, I constantly float and swim in the ocean of pure love. So that's our ideal. I think I will summarize now a little bit 
and then we can share some thoughts and have some short conversation about the power of the holy name and our personal experiences in relation to chanting. So today I have mainly concentrated on the universality of chanting the holy names of God. This practice can be found in uh, most of the world religions, mostly on the mystical and contemplative side of its spiritual tradition. We walked through four characteristics that are common for different uh, spiritual traditions in relation to chanting. So first, uh, it is said that um, all mysticism is based on uh, two kinds of longing. There is a longing of a soul towards God, and there is the longing of God towards the soul. It's one of us. So we are longing for Krishna, but he is also longing for us. And when we are chanting, we can express that longing and trust that goes both ways. The second idea that generally all contemplative traditions teach is that the simplicity, peace and harmony that is included in prayer and meditation can be reached regardless of time, place and your circumstances in life. There are no hard and fast rules for chanting the names of God. And then the third aspect was that we ourselves don't really know how to pray. We can try, we can do our best. But at the end, what we can do, what we, re what we really can do is to surrender and give our love and humility. And then little by little, God will start praying in us. And then finally, the fourth characteristic that weaves together the contemplative schools of thought is the emphasis, emphasis on prayer or meditation as a continuous state of mind. It is not only an exercise that we do and then continue our real life, but ideally the name is our life. So, um, so like, we, like we see here, Chanting really is a universal and non-sectarian practice. And not any kind of chanting, but calling out the names of God. So this is the spiritual stream that unites those branches of spiritual traditions that are more internally than externally oriented. Those traditions that focus on inner transformation and uh, the aim of finding a real connection with our God, with our ideal. I think we can now stop here for today. We will have some time for a discussion. So I would love to hear your thoughts in relation to uh, chanting, your experiences uh, about things that you have found helpful or that have increased your commitment to your ideal. Any even a small thing that you would like to share, I would highly appreciate that. And uh, of course, if there are some um, questions or comments related to this talk, I'm happy to hear them. And uh, then we can look for the answers together with, uh, with the, the small group that is here present at Zoom. 
And if you are listening to the English audio, please make sure that you are on the English channel before you start talking. Haripol, Haripia, can you hear me? Haripol, yes, I can hear you. Haripol, thank you so much for such a nice talk. It's really um, inspiring and uh, I, I love to hear about the connections between the different traditions. Um, I suppose just in answer to your question about what we've found ourselves that helps in the chanting, a um, couple of things for me come to mind because um, speaking just yesterday actually because one girl at our sangha was asking me that um, she she'd like to ask Guru Maharaj actually about you know what to think of when chanting and how to you know how, how to be inspired as we're chanting to carry on and I was saying a few different things to her and one of them one thing that I find very inspiring is there was something I heard in a class of Guru Maharaj and um, maybe you might know it better than me because I'm not sure if I'm going to say it exactly but um, it was basically the theme was that just as much as the uh, kind of like uh, karmis or non-devotees as much effort as they put into their like sense gratification or trying to fulfill their you know the desires of their senses that we should put as much effort into cleansing our heart um, I don't know if you've heard something like that Um, but, uh, so yeah, I guess like, yeah, just it, like kind of, it's connected to what you were saying about, um, just that the Holy name is with us from the very beginning and all the way, and it's always, um, cleansing the anartas. So sometimes when I'm chanting, I find it inspiring to, to try to put that effort in knowing that it is, um, you know, having that effect, um, and uh, the other thing which also I find inspiring is to uh, remember, I mean, a couple of things. I have a recording of, of Guru Maharaj chanting Japa that um, Aradhana sent out to some devotees a few years ago. So I like to remember how Guru Maharaj chants in that because that's also quite, um, um, yeah, it's a very kind of motivating um, way of chanting that you can feel the kind of, um, how do you say, just, you know, determination and enthusiasm in that chanting. You really feel it when you hear Guru Maharaj chanting Japa, that it's not a kind of like a, you know, a slow or a spacey thing, but more like with, with eagerness. Um, so that's really nice. And also I like to remember like when, when our Guru Maharaj first gave us the Maha Mantra and um, the sound of, of how, how he sounded when, you know, when that's being kind of transferred, you know, from, so that's, yeah, just a few things about that, really. And I had a kind of a question as well, actually, but I don't know if you, shall I ask? Please go for it. Um, you, yeah, because I don't know very much about um, kind of early Christianity and how it's come about. And I was, it was really interesting when you were saying about the Jesus prayer and that that would often be chanted on beads, you know, like Japa. 
and the similarities with with our Jaffa. But then, because I'm not really sure exactly when like Catholicism came about and things like that, but I just know from my own experience as a child in in a, a Catholicism was, um, you know, sometimes chanting on my rosary beads. And in on the rosary, you know, they chant like 10 Hail Marys, like 10 prayers to Mother Mary, and then one Our Father. And like, you keep doing that all the way around. So I was thinking like, I wonder if there's any like comparison for that in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, that why is it's like 10 to Mother Mary, and then one to God, <laughs> but 10 to Mother Mary, like she's, you know, like the devotees are more compassionate kind of thing. Like, I don't know, sometimes I've heard of devotees that chant like a round of Panchatattva mantra before they chant Muhammad. I was wondering maybe it's like you could compare it to something like that, or I don't know, what would you say about that? Hey, thank you so much, uh, especially for sharing your experience. I will comment on that shortly and then I will get get back to your question. I, I really loved what you told about, like uh, listening Guru Maharaj's um, uh, chanting. And now I remember, I remember that um, um, I used to do that also back in the days, but but now I'm afraid I have, um, I'm not sure if I have the recording anymore. So I, I thought I would ask you, um, Mohini, if you have it available, do you think you could share it later? Definitely. In, yeah, yeah, yeah in, in like perhaps um, a Facebook group or somewhere. So, so then everyone who is interested could, uh, I uh, could listen to it and uh, try out one one um, practice that came to my mind that I'm sometimes meditating meditating also like in relation to my Gurudev is that um, um, because um, um, at, at my initiation when I received my prayer beads from him uh, he had uh, chanted with them the round like he al always does so when I'm chanting myself, I'm kind of thinking that my Guru Maharaj has chanted with these beads and I'm kind of like following in his footsteps in a very concrete way. And uh, sometimes that helps me to like um, both concentrate, but also like um, develop my gratitude towards towards him and, and to my teachers. So that came that came to my mind um, uh, from what you said. And thank you for your question also. Also, I, I must admit that I'm not very familiar with, um, uh, with the rosary of the Christian tradition. And, um, and uh, I, I actually don't even know if they are using the similar uh, rosary than you described in the Eastern Eastern Christianity or in Orthodox Christianity. Uh, but um, um, I will I will think about this question and uh, I will get back to it next time. Next time, like uh, because then we will anyway be talking about the Mahamantra and also a little bit about the Banchatattva Mantra in relation to Mahamantra. So perhaps then I, I can come back to this question. Okay, thank, you. thank you. Are there any other comments or there's some something in chat um, in Spanish.
Yes, I, I can hear you, yeah. Thank you, Madhvidasi, for your uh, experience that you shared. So um, she was, um, if I summarize quite quite shortly, she was um, um, talking about the, um, like like really concentrating on the mantra and uh, and also listening to the Guru Maharaj and uh, appreciating how he's he's chanting chanting and um, and um, and she also mentioned that um, she used to sing in a Christian choir before and um, and uh, there were many other really beautiful birds that now I'm not able to repeat for the recording. But anyway, thank you so much, Madhavi, for sharing. Okay. I could um, share something briefly. All right. Thank um, you. I have, uh, I found that with my chanting, um, my mind tends to uh, gravitate toward Chaitanya and well in a way more than more than Krishna um, and I'm not sure why that is uh, but I know that um, Swami Tripurari speaks about uh, access to Vraj Lila through Chaitanya um, and and maybe it, it's related to that uh, but oh someone can't hear me did you hear me uh, I can, uh, let's see, are you on the English channel, Matthew? I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but can you hear me? Madhva can hear me. Let's, let's try, let's okay. try again. Okay. 
Okay, now I can hear okay. you again. You can, okay, I don't know what happened. Um, but uh, <clears throat> hey, I was just hey, saying let, that. Let's check that, are you on the English channel now? I, I don't know how to change it. I, I believe I'm always on the English channel. Um, so I, but it seemed like everyone could hear. Okay, uh, so Ananga Manjari, you can hear him? Yeah, all right. <laughs> Sorry about that, please go ahead. Okay. Um, I was just making the point that uh, uh, as, as Swami Tripurari speaks about accessing Rajlila through Chaitanya, um, I find that with my chanting, my mind tends to uh, move toward Chaitanya. And, and so it's just an interesting uh, experience that, that I, uh, I'm trying to hear um, the sound of, of the name and uh, but the image that will come to me is Lord Chaitanya. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing both your experience and uh, also the reference to the um, Swami Tripurari's um, teaching, which also came to my mind when you started talking about how your mind gravitates towards Chaitanya uh, when you're chanting, and uh, then how, um, how my Guru Maharaj uh, Swami Tripurari uh, often really talks about this, like how the passage or the doorway to Krishna light goes through the Gauda Lila, and then the deeper you emerge into the Krishna Lila, then the Gauda Lila will be there. And it's like, um, it's like really beautiful how, how he describes that, uh, that mystical thing. But yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you for your sharing for your, uh, thank you sharing your experience. So I think um, um, now we have used a little bit more than one hour. So I think it's a good time to wrap it up for today. So thank you for all your comments and uh, all experiences that you shared from your own life uh, as an encouragement for all of us uh, as uh, practitioners and uh, explorers of uh, faith and love. And uh, I hope we can continue our discussion about chanting as the prayer of the heart on next Monday, the 14th of March. And there will be a slight um, change in schedule or timing for some of us, uh, because our friends in States, uh, they, they start saving the daylight um, on next Sunday, the 13th of March. So for them, the time will be the same. But then uh, for the rest of us uh, who either don't save the daylight or turn our clocks a bit later, like we do here in Europe, the class will start one hour earlier than today. So in relation to your time zone, one hour earlier than today. And I think there will probably be some reminders on, the, on Facebook on that as well. And uh, next time we will be talking about Mahamantra, what it's all about, what kind of things are included in the mantra, what is the meaning of the mantra. And I hope to see you all there. I offer my gratitude 
and my wish to learn to love the sacred names of divine at the feet of my spiritual teachers and at the feet of the Vaishnavs who are like wish fulfilling trees full of kindness and compassion for all living beings. Sri Gaudiya Vaishnava Guru Prampara Ki Chai, Gaura Nityananda Ki Chai, Harinama Mahamantra Ki Chai, Gaura Pakta Vrinda Ki Chai, Gaura Premanande, Hari Hari Bol. Sri Mati Hari Priya Devidasi Ki Chai. Sadhu Sanga Ki Chai, Hari Bol.